0: hey friends welcome back to the collective's conversations podcast where we are having conversations at the intersection of faith and life uh got a new friend this week jen smale on the podcast she's a co-host of worship probs podcast and the great meme account on instagram make sure you're following that lots of funny stuff happening there and she's just become a new friend we talk ccm we talk worship music we talk the commercialization of worship music You're gonna enjoy this conversation, especially if you love worship music. Um, And plus Jen's got a brand new album out, Kingdoms and Castles, go stream that. Um, Just a really poignant kind of album, um, EP with some great songs on it. So go support our friend. And now let's get to our conversation with Jen. Hey, friends, welcome to the Collective's Conversations podcast. I have a new friend on the show with me, Jen Smale. She's a worship leader, songwriter, teacher, mentor. And this is what I love about her. She's passionate about future leaders. Um, she's the distinguished honor, and I say that very like applauding her of being the co host of Worship Probs podcast, <laughs> which is one of the funniest follows on Instagram as well. Like, it's beyond just a great podcast like the memes are worth your time. So jump into that. Jen, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, honored to be here.
0: So I got to know, how did you get connected to the uh, the worship probs group?
1: Oh my goodness. You know, I, I love sharing this story. Um, so I started following the account, like a lot of worship leaders started following the account first, started loving the memes, and then they launched the podcast. So I started listening and they were only maybe two, three episodes in. And I uh, was listening one day and I started just laughing at all of the, kind of like the mistakes they'd make or the or the gaffes or, cause you know, they were trying to find their way in a new podcast and the original co-host is a guy named Jeremy and he said, dude, a lot. He was just like, dude, he'd start every sentence. I don't know what got into me. I'd never made a meme in my life, but I decided to not only meme them, but I made a meme making fun of them and then I sent it to the Worship Props account. Um, and then they responded. They engaged, which I was like, oh man, that was mistake number one for them because then it just egged <laughs> me on. So then we went into this season of like every single Tuesday when that podcast would drop, I would just listen to only hear the mistakes, to hear anything I could make fun of. I'd meme it and send it to them. So then we kind of get in this conversation. And at the time, uh, Brian, who was the uh, the founder of Worship Proverbs and everything, he was he was anonymous. They were doing this like voice scramble thing on him. They didn't want to reveal his identity. It was crazy. Um, but I started kind of get to know them behind the scenes. Finally, uh, get to meet them uh, in person. And at this point, I'd already kind of been helping make memes on the side, helping run the account and everything. Um, so we met in person in uh, 2020, toward the end of summer. We met in person at a conference, and they were like, "Hey, we want to have you get as a guest." So I was like, "Sure, I'll come on." Uh, so I went on as a guest, and literally in a matter of a couple of weeks, Jeremy, the original uh, co-host, had. Major life changes. He and his wife adopted a baby. He got hired at a a church out of state. So they move out of state. So he basically was like, Hey, I got to step away. And so Brian called me up and was like, you, uh, you want to do some co-hosting? Which I was like, this is insane. But you know, I always tell people, I'm like, never underestimate the power of making fun of complete strangers. Like to their face cuz God'll <laughs> God'll use it. So, kind of stumbled my I, way into it, but here we are. That,
0: I feel like I feel like that's a proverb of Solomon somewhere like right? God will use <laughs> yeah. your memes. God like, will I use think your he memes. said this somewhere in like Proverbs 32 maybe. <laughs> I don't know. The one that did There's an, an
1: anointing good. on memeing that yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. I never thought that uh yeah, that this is how things would go, but here we are. So,
0: you you jumped in late, but I think it's a worthwhile mm-hmm. question. How did you guys go from the meme world as worship probs? To something meaningful, which I feel like you guys share some really, it's funny, but some meaningful things, meaningful conversations to people who are leading worship. So, how does maybe that come about, or how do you keep that balance? Because it's it's funny and meaningful.
1: Right. So, we have these three E's entertain, encourage, and equip. That's kind of our whole mission. So, and, you know, entertaining, that's hugely on the memeing side. You know, encouraging, that's where we kind of get into depth, have some conversations and equip. We share resources. But what we tend to do is we see the the memes as a bridge to the deeper conversations. So, you know, mm-hmm. some people use different tactics. We use humor. So we're like, hey, if we can get people laughing, we can get some defenses down. And maybe that's how we can kind of bridge into, you know, talking about things that, you know, are maybe the challenges that leaders are facing and volunteers are facing or, you know, uh, maybe even help people like relax. You know, you're not the only one facing this. You, de- you know, you're not isolated. There's worship leaders all over the country, all over the world who have that one congregant who complains to them every week. You know, so that's, we see memeing as the bridge that kind of gets us to where we really want to be, which is, you know, encouraging and equipping, you know, our fellow believers.
0: Yeah. So in all this sort of stories you're gathering, which I'm sure there are many from worship leaders around the country. Is there maybe one or two stories that are just the really funny that stand out? Something that you go, I will never not tell the story.
1: Oh my gosh, there are there, there are there are so many. So we have this segment called Prayer Concerns, um, and usually a lot of times what happens is you know in our churches we have connect cards, connect forms. You mm-hmm. know a, how can we pray for you? But more often than not, congregants use that to write down their complaints. So we have this segment that we do every week, and literally for two hundred and sixty-eight episodes. Like we don't write those, and we share like five a week, and those just keep flooding in. It is really hard um, to narrow in on just one because they're they're all so um, just absolutely insane. Gosh, and I'm like they're all escaping me. Usually, the ones that really get me are just like people will come up to a worship leader. There was one that we just shared recently. <laughs> um, uh, they wrote a comment to the to the worship leader. They're like, you know, I like that 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 song you guys did. It was great, but. I think it needs more resurrection references. And the song was Mighty to Save by Reuben Morgan. And it's like the words, he rose and conquered the grave are like literally in the chorus. But this guy's like, it doesn't have enough resurrection references. You know, it's stuff like that, that people just, yeah, they just come unhinged. The sad thing is we get some that we cannot read on air. They're so bad. I'm sure. Just, So horrific, you know, and unfortunately, they get sent to us anonymously. And when we get those ones, I'm like, this is where I wish we collected info. So I could just send that person a card and go, hey, you know what? (laughs) You are so loved and you didn't deserve that. But there's just too many stories. Maybe that's
0: like, (laughs) excuse me. Maybe like you could get info and be like, if if it's really bad, leave a name and an email address, right. and we'll send you like Starbucks I know, because right? that's really bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. We've joked like for years now. I'm like, man, I would love to do follow up on some of these. Some of these things that the, some of these people, what their congregants are saying to them. I'm like, I want to show up at your church and just encourage you, and then pull that congregant aside and go, "What are you thinking?" <laughs> like,
0: well, and, and what I again, I pastor a church, you're a worship leader, so we have probably. We've seen some similar things, um right. we make mistakes, oh yeah and and like we either misspeak or you missay a lyric or whatever it is um we know like mm-hmm. we don't need someone to tell us right, like we right. made a mistake like it's if I misquote somebody or misquote a scripture, I know it happened, believe me, <laughs> I don't need you to go like, hey, hey pastor, did you know that?" right like yes I know I feel terrible already your help (laughs) is not needed here right
1: yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's interesting
0: I have this rule maybe you have this rule too let's see and it's totally an aside I tell my wife because I I preach most Sundays at our church and you're leading worship I have this rule that if it was good you can tell me Sunday if it Mm -hmm. was bad wait till Monday yes do you kind of keep that rule in place
1: Yes, that's a great rule. That is a great rule. I I feel like the worst thing to do ever on a Sunday is rehearse maybe what, you know, focus on where you messed up, focus on where things could be bad or even go and give, you know, some sort of a, a criticism or a constructive feedback. I'm like, don't do it on don't do it on Sunday. Wait till Monday. Yeah. <laughs> better yet, wait till yeah. Tuesday. Give a give a few days to recover.
0: <laughs> you have a Tuesday rule, which I like even better right. than the Monday rule, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Wednesday it's forgotten about. So let's right. maybe wait till Wednesday. So <laughs> um, so you've been a worship leader I think your bio said since you were a teenager right yeah, you've been kind of yeah. involved in worship
1: yes so yeah. how did
0: you get plugged in as in a student so early
1: uh, you know what was really cool is I had one of those experiences like a lot of, you know, kids, you go to youth conference or youth camp and you're, you know, having that altar moment where everyone's praying, Oh God, yeah. what do you, you know, what direction do you want to send me in? And so I was sixteen and I felt worship leading. I had already started to teach myself to play keys. My mom was uh the worship leader at my church growing up. Uh grew up really, really poor. We couldn't ever afford music lessons and I wanted to know how to play an instrument. So I think my mom picked up a piano at a thrift store. She showed me how to make C major and C minor. That was it. So my, my music theory was, okay, every other key is a chord. And if you drop the middle <laughs> finger, like even the way I play is like so not not proper. Um, but so I was already kind of learning keys. So when I was 16, I was at this youth conference and I kind of felt like worship leading was the direction. I went to my youth pastor and uh, this is, I'm so grateful for my youth pastor because he didn't just go, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's cool for some day. He could sing and play mm-hmm. guitar, and so he's like, "Okay, you want to do this? Then let's do this." And so we instantly started like a youth worship team, and he had me like lead alongside him. So I learned to lead side by side with my, you know, with my youth pastor. That's great. But he really did put, let us like take take it a bit. So it was terrible, you know. It's a bunch of teenage kids who have no music training. It was really really bad. But I would say I was very fortunate to have a youth pastor. Who not only kind of like championed that, but like stepped in and was like, okay, let me help you do this. And I don't remember him staying side by side for long. I want to say it was maybe six months. And then he stepped aside Mm -hmm. and was like, okay, you guys can, you can make it through a set. Now do it. And just left, you know, me and this other, you know, some of my other peers just kind of going, okay, and you know, feeling our way through. So that's how I started so young. I was probably 17 when he handed the, the youth worship team off to me.
0: Which is awesome. I I love that as a former youth pastor and our church is, um, i almost say full of, that's an exaggeration, but we have quite a few young adults, so we love mm-hmm. to champion right. their callings and their giftings. I think there's something really important. And I mean, that's part of your heart is championing and raising up future leaders. Right. Do you think that um, that experience of your youth pastor stepping into that was, is part of why you sense that? Like you're just kind of, I didn't say paying it forward, but in, right. this, in essence, paying it forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge part of it. Another side of you know part of my experience now, as I went on, was I went through some experiences in churches where, like a baton, didn't get passed to me in a in a timing Mm. that I thought it should, or I you know served and served and served and was you know had in a way been baited for lack of a better word, and it's not to dig at anybody, but kind of told, hey, you know this is going to be hand off to you, and then like the handoff never came, and just kind of having to wrestle through that, going, okay, am I going to let this, you know, make me jaded and, uh, you know, fuel entitlement in me, or am I going to go? Okay, Lord, what are you going to teach me through this? And so that also, almost equally, has kind of informed that that mission in me to go. Okay, don't hold on to a baton too long. You know, this is a it's a relay race, and I've I've seen a lot of leaders where they hang on to that baton and then they leave, and there's no one there ready to pick it up, and the church is left scrambling. And yeah. I just tend to think we should be. You know, we should surround ourselves with not replacements, but reinforcements. But Mm -hmm. if they end up turning into replacements, then fantastic. You know, I'm like, work your way out of a job. And while it is scary because, you know, your church might go, yeah, we don't need you anymore. We're going to go with them. Yeah. Okay. That's scary. But you know what? If we serve an abundant God and if we're trusting God with our lives and we're trusting that God is a God of seasons, then we can go, okay, God, I'm just going to serve with open hands. I'm going to steward what you've put in front of me. And if it's some, point that changes and you take that baton from my hand and you put it in the hands of another I'm going to trust that you're going to fill my hands with something else. So, yeah, so it's kind of been a both, you know, the impression that my youth pastor made on me, but then also some of the experiences that I had, you know, as I hit, you know, through my 20s in worship leading.
0: And I think that that experience was echoed in lots of places in the church. Um mm-hmm. I'll just speak for myself being a Gen Xer. Um it felt like the the pipeline was full maybe ahead of us. Right. Yeah. And it was hard to to get into place and those those people were I don't mostly staying longer than they should have, but they weren't making space for us. And I think it's one of the reasons we've seen an explosion in church planning. Mm -hmm. I think from the music side we've seen such an explosion in worship artists who are not anchored in a local church. Right. Like they're just entrepreneurial in it and and in a good way, making worship songs and sort of touring and doing other things. Um, And so I want your perspective as a worship leader. In the last 20 years, we've seen this mass commercialization of worship music. Um, Right. This change. I I think I remember the shift was, and no knock, because I love Michael Libby Smith, is when Michael Libby Smith in the early 2000s went from making records to making worship music. And all of a sudden, worship music became the modern Christian music. Right. Do, Do you think the commercialization... Has had a benefit? Do you think there's been detriment, or is it a both and situation?
1: Right. I think it's both and. Um, you know, I would say on the, on the positive side, I do think that more and more people are exposed to worship music than before. Like Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, you almost had to like intentionally go seek out, you'd have to go to the Christian bookstore and find, (laughs) you know, Ron Cannoli's new CD or whatever. Like you had to be really intentional and go and seek that out because Christian radio was only playing, you know, CCM and that sort of a thing. Right. So I, I think, Uh, In a way, it's been a a positive because it's made worship music way more accessible. You know, Your congregation is much more likely to come in and maybe even be familiar um, Mm -hmm. with the music. Um, So I think that that part's been great. I do think the intention, um, maybe on the the radio stations, that sort of thing, I think maybe the intention initially was really, really good. Now, I do think there has been a bit of a downside uh, to it. I think that in a way, it's almost fed some um, consumerism a little Mm -hmm. bit. I think I think that line like worship um, is very sacred. What we do in church or when we have those moments in the presence of God, you know, um, it's about God receiving glory. Um, It's like I said, it's a sacred space, and I think that because I can hear that same song in my car, it can tend to almost cheapen or cause us to be too casual about God's presence, or cause us to have some confusion. Going well, no, I like this song. I'm going to call you know the radio station, tell them I want to hear this song. So then when I go into church and I don't hear the song I like. Or the song I want, I'm going to complain to the worship leader because, you know, they're they're just playing music. So I do think there's, I think it's an and or, I think maybe there's more positives than negatives, but I do think that there's been a little bit of a, a, a negative uh, impact that that the church abroad is, has experienced.
0: Yeah. I think what I what I do love on the positive side is I feel like it's created a new wave of creators and creatives mm-hmm. that were yeah. getting new music. Um, again... M- because of the age I was at, it felt like we sang the same eight or ten courses, and we occasionally right. got a new one. Right. I remember, again, I'ma date myself really well here. When "Shouts <laughs> of the Lord" 2000 came out, and like yeah. that was like the like before there was things that were viral. That was like viral in the church. Right, I was like, you've got to get this CD. Like, right, yeah, and that sort of exploded like this worship movement. I think, um, right. and I think it pushed this creativity that was that I loved as a creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. There's been some some backside drawback that maybe we didn't anticipate or plan for in the consumerism which beyond music has felt like it's invaded maybe the whole church in some regard Mm -hmm. how do we respond to that then if there's this consumeristic element in our worship settings how Mm. how can we as leaders respond to that
1: um i mean i think part of our role as leaders is to teach and to train and equip, you know, the body believers. I've been in the Old Testament and I've been reading about how, you know, they set up what is the, the duty of the priesthood? What, what's the duty of the Levites? And part of the duty of the Levites and the priests was to teach the people, teach them the book of mm-hmm. the law, teach them about worship. And I think that we kind of still carry that. I think that we as church leaders and worship leaders and pastors, we should look for windows of opportunity to just help steward um, and shepherd our congregation and kind of go, hey, this is what what this is what the word says that worship is, or this is this is what worship is about, you know, just to help them understand. Because your general lay, you know, w- congregant isn't going to probably be deep diving in the Old Testament. They're probably not going to be right. reading, you know, uh, worship books and all of this stuff. They're not going to be doing that. So part of our role is to help equip and to help train and help them to understand so that when we gather corporately, we all know what we're doing there. And you know, some sometimes it's easier than others, but I I do think that that is a huge part of our of our job as uh, as leaders.
0: Yeah, and again, but I, again, I I sit on this side of the coin on on the pastor communicator, and I know when the worship set. I don't want to make it better, like, like put it off on that on the worship pastor whether it's a good church service or not. But when God has moved in worship, people's mm-hmm. hearts are more ready to receive the word. Right? Has there been sort of this? This what we've seen out of this sort of commercialization worship and modernization worship, and I love mm-hmm. modern worship, I don't ever want to disregard that, that it's become more performance than presence? Have we maybe yeah. moved too much that direction?
1: Right. Uh, you know, I think so a little bit, because like, think about back before worship music was on the radio, you know, even those songs that were on the radio, you had your same kind of, you had your big names, you know, you didn't get a ton of variety. And so even though we've, mm-hmm. there's been this shift to where it's It's modern worship. You still kind of, it feels like it's the less than 20 people that dominate, you know, the worship scene, for lack of a better word. And so I think what happens is then we in the church, you know, all of us normal people, you know, we're listening to these songs, we're watching these, these, um, you know, incredible, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who are writing music and releasing music. We see them doing their tours. We see them having hit after hit. And then what can happen is we, I think what we do is subconsciously or not, we start to emulate what we see them doing. We go, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the measure of success. And I think we can even take it far and and we look at, you know, other churches, live streams. We, we can even do it, you know, pastors. Why, why does sometimes it sound like everybody's kind of preaching the same or everyone's kind of looking the same or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll look around sometimes and I'm like, I can't tell one church apart from another because Mm everyone's sets look the same. And so what Mm -hmm. happens is, is we start to emulate what we see other people doing And in whether or not it's on purpose because we're like, oh, this is the measure of success or not, or we're just kind of like, hey, I like what they're doing. I'm gonna take that. We start to emulate that. And I think that it actually kind of works against serving a creative God because we are all supposed to be reflectors of him. I'm not supposed to be the reflection of Jeff. I'm supposed to be a reflection of the Lord. And while I can draw inspiration, I can like hear you preach on a message and be like, oh man, I really, I really liked. Yeah, how he did that. It's one thing to draw inspiration. It's another thing to go, oh, okay, I'm going to reflect this. I'm going to draw identity. I'm going to draw method. I'm going to draw, you know, more than I should. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happens is now what we have going on is I do think that there's a lot of emulating going on. I think that there's a lot um, happening in the church where it's like, are we truly reflecting the image of our infinitely creative God? If we yeah. were, I don't think we would all look the same, sound the same. Like even, um, in female vocals, you know, when Darlene came out, like all the sopranos were cheering. It's like, yeah, it's, it's soprano time. <laughs> and even initially when Carrie Joe, it was like, yes. And I, I always joke, and, and this is not a dig on her at all, but I, I joke about the Taya, the Taya switch, uh, switch, the shift that yeah. happened when Taya sang oceans in 2013, 2014. There was a vocal shift that happened. And so now, you know, as I was thinking earlier today, I'm like, you hear all these, again, incredible voices, but there's something going on again where it's like, wait, why do all of these girls kind of have this same kind of feel and same kind of sound? And again, it's it's great yeah. to, to be inspired, but I think that maybe without thinking, we all are just watching what everyone else is doing and we're inspired, we're excited and whatnot, but then what we start to do is we emulate that person instead of reflecting the Father. And I think that we're just yeah. really seeing that in the church right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think as a communicator speaker, I, I remember my 20s um, just being modeling after people who I thought were great preachers. I sat under mm-hmm. one of, who is still hands down one of the best preachers, I think, in the United States. Um, But I thought I had to be demonstrative like he was right? Um, and sort of use the alliteration he used and the tone yeah. and the cadence and all those things which was fine in my 20s because I really didn't know who I was. But mm-hmm. in my 30s, I kind of came to this place of kind of knowing myself and knowing my own voice and knowing how God crafted me to, to communicate. Right. Is there some of that as a worship artist, as a singer, um, that you find your voice and your expression of it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's that's hard. It's very, very hard. Um, especially if if, you know, it's like you can be inspired, but especially if you don't fit the mold. I feel like Mm. it's even harder to, uh, kind of embrace and go, okay, this is what God has given me, or this is the sound, or this is the, you know, this is the spirit that he's put inside of me. I feel like it's, it's scarier to almost be more true to who you are and to again, be inspired. Like it's one thing to go, oh, I I like the way they write, or I like the way they do this and to go, okay, that's, that's a tool. But again, to copy them, I feel like it's scarier to go, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm gonna bring me to the table. It's a little bit more vulnerable. It's a little bit riskier because hey, what if people don't like it? what if what if it's not mm-hmm. popular because that's not what people are you know consuming right now? what if what if, what if? But the flip side of that is because then you're trusting God, you can't take any of the glory and go, oh, it's because I was able to come up with this and whatnot, it's like, no, no, this is all this is all the Lord. you know, so for me, when it comes to being an artist and I even str- I struggle with that word, you know, um, I never wanted to record. Like solo. I've been um, in my churches before writing songs and whatnot, but I uh, like to a self-deprecating level was like, well, I don't want to listen to, you know, my own voice. And I even had to wrestle through like my voice doesn't sound like what's popular right now. And I've had to wrestle that out. And then, and then when you feel like the Lord gives you a message that might not be popular. It's like the double whammy. Like, God, why, why are we doing this? Because this feels like, um, this feels like a setup for something that's going to be, you know, really hard to, to walk. So that's something I've had to kind of wrestle and go, okay, God, I have to embrace that you've made me unique. And all you're asking me to do is to steward what you've given me, kind of like the parable Mm -hmm. of the talents. What did. God is going to ask me someday, Jen, what did you do with the voice I gave you, with the passion I gave you, with what did you do with that? And so that's something that really anchors me right now um, and drives me in this season, truthfully.
0: Yeah. And you you mentioned you didn't want to be a recording artist, but yet right. here you are. Here I am. The Jen, the Jen Smale album just released. <laughs> it's an EP, I believe, yes. uh, titled Castles and Kingdoms, which I love the title. Um, give us a little bit of backstory on on where that came from, what birthed that, and the yeah. opening track is fantastic. Like, love the Thank opening you. track.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, so I I never wanted to do it, or I was just kind of like I'll write songs and let other people sing. But I was in a time <laughs> in 2022, the top of 2022, I took a sabbatical uh, because I'd found myself just really burnt out and exhausted, and just just kind of done. And I was on the brink. I was constantly on the brink of like just wanting to quit everything wanting to walk away not from the Lord, but just wanting to walk away from everything um, yeah. and so in this time of sabbatical, you know I asked the Lord I'm like, hey show me my heart, you know tell me show me what's off in me And so the Lord kind of was bringing me through this journey of you know how do you define success? you know you you've seen your success as roles and opportunities and titles and whatever, but I see success as your faithfulness and your obedience, obedience to when I ask you to do something. I don't measure any of it by any of these external things you know songs that you write, messages you preach, wherever you get to go. He's like, I just go, can you be obedient and faithful to serving me and loving me every day? Can that, you know, can that be enough? So the Lord is kind of bringing me through this. And then mm-hmm. in the midst of that happening, I was diving into um, Ezra and Nehemiah. I don't know why. I was just drawn to the story of the Israelites being in exile. And there was this one day I was praying and I'm reading Nehemiah chapter one and Nehemiah um, has opened the book of the law. He's read it and he's seen He's just hit with this revelation of how far away the people have fallen from God's design, mm-hmm. from God's, you know, order. And, and he has this, he prays this prayer of repentance and um, prays on behalf of himself, on behalf of the people that they would, you know, return to the Lord. And just like in this split second, I got this download, the word castles and kingdoms came to my mind. And I felt like the Lord was like, you're so exhausted. You're so burnt because you've been castle building. You know, you you've been worried about your calling, your ministry, you know, your opportunities that, you know, what you're gonna do. You're you're spinning and spinning and spinning. You're focused on a castle. And I have a kingdom and I watch an entire kingdom. And it's kind of like, you know, the Lord's like, you get caught up in comparison. You get you get caught up in in some of these traps of competing and whatnot. You're looking around, going, What is the measure of success? You're looking around at all of these other things you're gazing at what somebody else in the next church is doing or what somebody else online is doing. You have your eyes set, your heart set on all the wrong things. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the exiles. You know, How did they end up in exile? Because initially, they were supposed to be people dedicated to the Lord. God had made a covenant with them. But what did they do? They looked around at their neighbors and said, oh, hey, they have a king. We want a king. They looked around their neighbors. Oh, they worship other gods. We want to worship other gods. Mm -hmm. They were looking so much more at what was around them instead of having their eyes fixed on the king. And so, just kind of like in a split second, I felt like the Lord was like, castles and kingdoms, you know, people build castles. This is happening a lot in the church. We're so focused on our castle and we lose sight of kingdom. And so, the laments, that opening track, those words just started coming to me. And I took out my phone, I'm jotting them down and I was like, I don't know what this is. And it actually took me a while to properly call it lament. I was initially calling it just like an intro um, because I didn't know what it was. And it, it hit me one day that I'm like, oh, this is a lament kind of about. Where we can find ourselves, you know, each of us as individuals or even, you know, as the corporate body and just that, like that call to set our eyes again, um, on the king. And so it was an interesting journey because first I got all of this and I was like, man, that's, that's really great. God, but then I felt challenged, um, do an EP. So then I had to wrestle that because I'm like, well, first of all, Lord, you know, that I don't feel I have the voice. I don't want to listen to myself. You know, I'm like, that's. That's number one. You know, i like listing this thing before the Lord. I'm like, two, I don't want to add to the noise. That was just something I kept saying to yeah. God. It's like, you know, you're giving me this message about castles and kingdoms. Me releasing an EP could really be perceived as trying to build a castle. I was like, this this doesn't, you know, I, I had to wrestle it. I had to really wrestle it. Um, But that's when God brought me back around to like obedience and just kind of going, Jen, are you going to be obedient and faithful to what I put in your heart? And so this entire process, I just have been like, okay, you know, I've wrestled through the different songs. It took a while. And, and then even with releasing, I'm like, okay, God, um, I'm just going to put it out there and you do with it what you want to do with it. You know, I, I'm not attaching an identity to it every day. I pray and go, God, I just lay that again at your feet. That's an obedience to you. Not trying to make it as an artist. I had somebody ask me, like, so you're going to do tours and stuff. I'm like, no, <laughs> like I'm like I just just laid it before God, um, as an offering. But yeah, it was really something that God was stirring in me. And as as I worked on it and wrote songs, I felt like the Lord was like, "I want you to share this. This is for more people yeah. than just just you." And so here yeah. we are.
0: So you you mentioned the Ezra Nehemiah scriptures. Yeah. Um, it, anybody's familiar, you know, friends who may not be familiar, that's sort of the rebuilding the wall after they mm-hmm. return. Nehemiah mm-hmm. comes back. Ezra. Is installed as, um, I believe, the priest at that point, or he yeah. reads the law, right? Do you think maybe what the Lord is giving you in this message through castles and kingdoms is somewhat a rebuilding? Is there a rebuilding of the church? Maybe rebuilding worship. What What do you think the Lord's trying to say through this EP and what He gave you?
1: I I think that you know that word returning keeps kind of coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which involves repentance. I think that there needs to be some repentance where you know, we just kind of go, Oh God, you know, we've, we've missed it a little bit. We've got, we've had great intentions. You know, I, I don't think that, you know, when you want your church to grow, when you want your team to do well, when you want, I don't think any of that is necessarily bad, but I think very easily those good intentions can really shift in the wrong direction. So I think first and foremost, some repentance, like the church needing to look at ourselves. And I think we can even see what's gone on globally in the church the last couple of years. You know, there, there's been a lot. There's been a shaking globally in the church. There's been news headlines. There's been all kinds of s- horrible stuff. And I do think the church needs to look at herself, um, repent, allow the, the Lord to purify because he's, he's coming back for a pure and sp- spotless bride. So like allow him to purify us, allow him to refine us. Um, and then return back to that heart of, of what he wants where it's not about, streams it's not about follows it's not about numbers it's not about awards it's it's not about all of these things that are all going to fade away they have no mm-hmm. eternal value no eternal value at all souls do but all of this other stuff they don't you know so i i feel like maybe there's just a lot the lord could be doing but my my big hope is is that the lord is maybe just just stirring in all of us to kind of go, okay, what what do we need to be focused on? Because it's hard mm-hmm. in this world. It's hard in this world when we're, yeah. you know, competition is in our face, you know, every single day. Um, And I think that we can get so distracted. So I really do think the Lord is like, hey, come back, come back to that place, you know, of your first love, come back to loving me and letting that be enough. You know, I think when you look at the Old Testament, you look at the prophets, they were never popular. I think as soon as the Christian message becomes popular, we're in a dangerous place, you know, yeah. and again it's not like we're out here offending everybody and just rah, I, you know, I'm not saying that, but I do think that there's some like some course correction that the Lord wants to to kind of bring, you know, to the church, to the body.
0: Yeah. I, I've been in John seventeen this this past week reading and doing some study and uh what we it's Jesus' prayer for his disciples and then for the world for unity. And we, we often get caught right there in this sort of like, oh I wish we'd all be one, this kind of that that right. part. Yeah. And there's a couple statements in there that, like this week, have popped off the page that maybe I know I've read before, but maybe not seen before. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the world's going to hate you. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like, it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. But I'm leaving you in the world. Like, yes. they're going to not like what you do. Right. But I'm going to leave you here. And he even says, I'm going to set you apart, or the, the biblical word would be sanctify or consecrate, right. and sanctify you. Mm-hmm. Um, in truth, and so right. I know one of your the huge pieces of your heart right now in this season is the sanctity of worship, bring it back to a reverence and a right. holiness. How do we, as a church, big c church, larger mm-hmm. church and and, and individuals right. return to that sanctity of worship
1: mm. i I think that we need to deepen our biblical understanding um, our biblical Study mm-hmm. you know I, I heard someone say recently they're like it's not that the church is biblically illiterate they're not illiterate it's it's more like they're they're lazy and apathetic. you know mm. do we hunger for the word you know we all we, we love our worship experiences because we you know, we get our, I always joke, I call them our Jesus tingles. You know, we go in there and it's great to have right. a phenomenal experience, but I do think that we've kind of substituted these high moments of corporate worship and, you know, these emotional moments and we don't go enough to the word. We go, oh, i want to go to church because I need to hear from the Lord or I, I want to, I'm coming into worship because I need this. And it's like, he's already spoken to us in his word. And the, the, right. The more we read his word, the more we we know his heart. The more we read his word, the more we hunger for him. So I do think that the church, you know, we really need to be in the word. We need to be teaching young people. You know, we've got young people that come along and, and they want to do internships and they want to be mentored and they want all this stuff. Okay, maybe we don't hand them leadership books yet let's hand them the word. Let's open the word and and read it and study it and come close to the Father's heart and, and look at the way that God views worship. And I, I mean, I think that people tend to go, well, the Old Testament, Jesus hadn't come yet. And I go, well, okay, but when God instructed like the, the building of the temple and whatnot, He said, this is a reflection of what's going on in heaven. So Jesus coming, He just made a direct way so we didn't have to You know, slaughter animals anymore, or go through a priest. He gave us direct access, but that doesn't mean that what's going on in heaven has changed. It doesn't mean that the holiness of God has changed. None of that has changed, Um, and so I think that that's probably one of the biggest things is is deepening that biblical understanding of what worship what worship is and what worship isn't. You know, I struggle uh, in worship. Sometimes when I like go into different atmospheres, because when we come in and it's just all about me, I'm just gonna sing all about my needs. I'm gonna sing about everything I want God to do, I struggle because I'm like, well, now we're gonna fall short because you know, I'm like, if I just keep singing about me, I <laughs> I am so flawed. Like, me isn't enough. But if I can turn my eyes mm-hmm. to heaven, if I could join in that eternal song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If we can set our eyes on him so much more stop singing about ourselves it's just incredible what the presence of God will do but I think we've got to kind of come back to uh to to the word and really dive into that
0: yeah uh, it's funny you mentioned the me ism type thing um yeah. my wife works here at the university um she works with closely with a a she teaches teachers but she works with a A uh, individual who teaches music teachers, and Mm -hmm. she's very like astute in the music world. And she made this statement, which I thought was so interesting. She said, "Most modern pop love songs are breakup songs about me and how Mm -hmm. I feel about it. Yeah, Um, like my my emotions. And I feel like in the same way, a lot of modern worship. And I don't want to be over generalized, but I think some of it has leaned this way." has mm-hmm. become about my emotions about God and not right. about God. Right. Do you think we're gonna swing back or or do you see that as true? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about about that?
1: Right. Uh I hope we swing back a little bit. You know, I remember growing up, um, a lot of the songs it was just like pure Bible. Like I I remember I'd read a mm-hmm. psalm and I'm like, oh we sing the like we literally sing those exact words to music. Mm-hmm. Um but there was this a little bit of a disconnect where like, how do you reconcile some of the parts and Psalms where, where David is talking about being downcast and whatnot? So then this shift kind of came where we started to be able to kind of mesh both together. You know, why am I down, so downcast? I'll oh, put your hope in God. You know, there was a little bit of like we could bring some of that humanity because we all have that in us, but then turn it to Lord. But then I feel like we kind of kept going. Where now it's like so much of singing about me and my struggle and this and that. And then in the bridge, we'll go ahead and throw in, um, a bit about him. And I kind of go, okay, there's so many songs coming out. Why are songs like I exalt thee? Why when you do I exalt thee, can a, does a room just still, you know, right. just stand and all? Why when you sing the chorus of awesome God, does a room still respond? Because there's just infinitely more power in singing about who he is declaring who he is regardless of our situation regardless of our feeling like so i i feel like i'm like why are those songs timeless why are those songs still relevant you know for lack of a better word mm-hmm. but then we've got like i couldn't even probably name the top 10 songs 10 worship songs that came out in the last year i think maybe there's there's some difference um in that and i don't know if you've noticed there's been people pulling a lot of the oldies back out i was at a conference recently and they pulled some choruses that I was like, "Oh man, we were singing this when yeah. I was a teenager," and yeah. I think it's because they carry that that spirit and that message. Like it all comes back to singing about who He is.
0: And, and there is a, I think there's a move to some of that, um, yeah. some returning to that. It's not popularized, yeah. right? It's right. not radio friendly when you start to sing about the blood of Jesus again and things like right. that. Yeah. Um, so it's not. And again, if if we're finding music from the radio first, then. Uh, it's probably not going to land where, we, you know, in some of the right. deeper things. I, it's funny you mentioned some of those older songs because uh, I admitted to our church, I think last week, um, that when I get into private moments of worship, it's not Maverick City I sing or it's not, right. you know, Phil Wickham. Right. It's right. it's like the courses of my childhood, like Tis so sweet right. to trust in Jesus and right. I exalt thee and some of these
1: right. songs
0: that that were the songs of my parents' generation, mm-hmm. but they resonate so deeply in my soul that when in these private prayer and worship moments, that's mm-hmm. what spills out. Right. Um, because it's, one, because there's probably some familiarity, but two, I think there's something that just resonates mm-hmm. spiritually deep in me to cry out to Jesus. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. different than some other things. And I'm not anti-modern worship music. I right. I love the, the new stuff. I'm just saying, in those private moments, that's what when I'm pressed, that's what right. squeezes out, right? Um, so it, it, what squeezes out for you? Let me ask that. So in your in, in the private moment for Jen, it's her and the Lord and prayer devotion. What's maybe a, a, a greatest hit that comes out?
1: Oh my gosh! Well, uh, my all-time like favorite song that I go back to is "Obsession" by Delirious, and uh, you know <gasps>
0: that's like- oh my gosh. <laughs> And it's so funny, too, because like, to you feel like nobody makes reference to that.
1: No, like if like, and if you listen to those core, the verses, the verses are really outside of the box, like yes. so outside of the box, but so raw. But then when he he says all of that, but then he says, and my heart burns for you. That's all. That's all that song mm-hmm. is saying over and over. So that's what I kind of come back to. So it's like I come into these times with the Lord. and I'm like, I'm frustrated with this God. or I don't understand this. And I don't. And I go, but my heart burns for you, it burns for your presence. I love that song, God. I just want to know you more. Yeah, so that's that's you know, I I come back to those because again, I try to reset my eyes back on the Lord. Again, the longer I I stare at myself, you know, the longer I fixate on my issues, I, I tend to say this. I'm like, whatever we whatever we focus on, we magnify. Whatever we magnify, we worship. So the more I focus on my issues, my frustrations, my disappointments, my doubts, my insecurities, the more I focus on that, the more I magnify it. Then as I magnify it, I actually Mm -hmm. start to worship it. That's what's occupying the space of my mind. That's what I'm giving attention to. And so I try to go, okay, I need to grab all of that and go, okay, feelings, that's fine. Feelings are there. What is the truth? And I'm going to anchor my soul in the truth. And I'm going to stir up my faith. And I'm going to sing timeless truths about God. And it's just incredible how the atmosphere, even within myself, shifts. You know, when we join I I, you know, I love uh the book of Revelation. I think the first couple chapters, people are so afraid of it. I'm like, man, the book of Revelation is an incredible book about worshiping Jesus. Like it like really. If we want to see a picture of Jesus, let's and how to worship, let's go look at that book. You know, so I find myself even sometimes just going, holy, holy, holy 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 god you're worthy you know uh, you, the, like I repeat these things and it elevates my faith and um and it helps me to kind of get my eyes and my heart set back on him but yeah
0: obsession, yeah. obsession. I'm gonna throw another track out from that yeah. same time for him delirious that I love uh and I don't think anybody really knows about it Jesus blood I think it's off that same album or might be the cutting edge album okay like in it and I won't sing it because I can't sing, but Jesus like, sing Blood it. by Delirious. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. I've made a deal like with my worship pastor, like I won't sing in the microphone. Like that's nice. our deal. She can, she can lead worship and I'm going to preach. Like, yeah. so I don't ask her to preach and I right. don't lead worship. So that's our deal. But Jesus Blood, like it's one of those songs I go back to because it's just mm-hmm. a simple, like I think the course is like Jesus Blood Never Failed Me and like it's yeah. that simplicity of it and the yeah. the depth of it and it's just like, oh. so all yeah. of our friends go out Cutting edge, delirious album. Yes, go listen to like all three hours of it. It's gonna It's amazing. Your life. It's amazing.
1: Had. Yeah. So,
0: well, Jen, you've been such a great guest. I do have one final question I want to ask you and honor your time. Yeah. Uh, since the show is titled "The Collectives Conversations," mm-hmm. who is one person historical, present day, fictional, or in your real life that you would love to sit down and have a conversation with?
1: Man, this is such a hard question, um, but. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, okay, who would I want to sit down with? And I think I would want to sit down with Fred Rogers with Mr. Rogers uh, himself. Yes. I feel like, I feel like a conversation with him, like you would leave feeling like valued and loved and appreciated and just seen. And uh I, I feel like, man, he, he could just say things. He had such a gentle way of, of speaking truths um, that I, I don't know. that just he felt safe. So, yeah, I would, I would want to sit down with Mr. Rogers.
0: Did you watch the movie?
1: Yes. Yes, I did. Okay.
0: Yes. So, uh, uh, we'll finish the conversation, but I got to tell the story. So, we take our Christmas, like we, have, we open Christmas presents Christmas morning. And then for every day, like on Christmas Day, we go eat Chinese food <laughs> and we go watch a movie. Love it. And so, three, four years ago, this have been four years ago, we took the, all of our kids to see the, the Mr. Rogers movie. Like, and they were like, oh, I don't want to see a movie. It's dumb. You know, they did like that. <laughs> right. All of them weeping in the movie theater. Just right. Weeping. <laughs> yeah. But there's that one scene and that, this scene has like spoke to me for years now where he's looking at the reporter. I don't remember his name. And he's angry and mad and frustrated. And Fred goes, who hurt you? Right. And I'm like, right. I just want to ask that question to people. Right. Like, yeah. like when they're just like all over the map and I just want to go like right. all in my best Fred Rogers and go. Yeah. Who hurt you?
1: Who hurt you? Yeah. I think so we could solve so many problems with that question. I know, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fred Rogers. Um, it's, it's crazy because, you know, there's been like a, a cartoon. I don't know how young your kids are. Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My kids grew up watching that, which I loved. But after the Fred Rogers movie came out, I've pulled up old episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and they're glued to it. Just glued, like yeah. mesmerized. I'm like, yeah, there was something about Fred Rogers that was just so impactful and, um, and powerful.
0: Well, um, I didn't expect to land in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with this conversation, <laughs> but I'm glad we did. <laughs> Jen and I Atlanta, really appreciate leave. your time. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate your time and your insights and all that you're doing. The album is Castles and Kingdoms. Stream it on Apple or Spotify or anywhere you can stream music. It's a great EP to listen to. And follow Jen and the Worship Probs podcast. And their well, it's more than a meme account, but it's a great account on Instagram, but it's super funny. Jen, as we always say here, you've got to see the table. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, friends. Thank you for joining us on another incredible episode of the Collectives Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion and want to stay connected to the Collectives Conversation, make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast platform. If something of the show really spoke to you, tag me on Instagram at Jeff underscore Pitts underscore. It would mean so much if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It goes a long way into shaping the future of our episodes and reaching a broader audience. We'll see you next week at the table for another great conversation. And be sure to check our follow-up episode titled Things I Learn" every Tuesday following that week's episode. And remember, you have a seat at the table.